0: Hi everyone, it's Friday the 26th of March and welcome to episode 48 of the Kite
1: Podcast with me, Will Evans. And me, Ben Eagle. Now, if there's one thing that we haven't stopped banging on about on the show in recent weeks, it's been
2: carbon. Hey Ben, before you get going, um, can I interrupt? I want to know what the problem is. Um, what do you mean? What, what problem? Well, there's obviously a problem somewhere because... I see we have a timely alert for our listeners on today's podcast. so something's going on, and I don't like the sound of it. So, chris i'm
1: I'm not following. I'm not following.
2: Well, I see we have a handy warning on the show from Becky's notes, and it's something to do with an enema solution. So I want to know exactly what to- <laughs> Chris it's
1: nothing to do with an enema. it's nmr. <laughs> And it's not Handy Warning; it's Andy Warn, right?
2: NMR, milk recording. Nothing <laughs> yes, to do with sticking one. things up people's bottoms, then. And Andy Warn, you say? The Andy Warn? Yes, that's right, Chris. It's me over here. Never heard of you. Are you harmless? <laughs> He's very harmless. Oh, what are we waiting for? Introduce the man before he realizes he's got better things to do on a Friday
3: morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, t- well, so, so, uh, so I'm Andy Warren, I'm the MD of, of NMR, National Milk Records, and I'm uh, and, uh, very much looking forward to uh, telling you all about what we've been up to.
1: There we are, Chris. <laughs> that is proof it is actually Andy Warren. <laughs> Right, can that's got
3: the actual introduction
1: now. <laughs> um, what shall I go and get myself ready for my bit? I think you should. Yeah, you you do that, Chris. You go you go and get ready. All right. Hang on. Now, oh. if there's one thing that we haven't stopped. Back... Oh. My
0: God.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready now. Right, you can start now. <laughs> one one guess to everyone what this is about
4: you couldn't make this up could you you do us every week
2: right full introduction ben crack on me. now if there's one thing that we haven't stopped banging
1: on about on the show in recent weeks it's been carbon and the reasons why we should all be thinking about it if we're not already. However, with such a vast choice of carbon calculators, many are asking, which gives the most accurate measurement of carbon footprint, and how do you use the information they give you most effectively once you have it? To discuss this, we're joined by Andy Warne, Managing Director at National Milk Records, alongside Seasoned Kite Podcast guest, Kite's Head of Sustainability, Rachel Madeley davis And as always, as you know by now, everybody's favorite dairy market analyst, Chris Walkland. Welcome to the show, everyone. Chris, it's your moment. It's the time for the Milk Market Report. Where are you this
2: week? Well, I'm discombobulated this morning because of the rugby, which concludes tonight. England, of course, has cemented its position at second in the table, and it's up to (laughs) Scotland. Sorry, Will, do you have a comment to make? (laughs) No no comments, just laughs. (laughs) Uh, England has cemented its position at second in the table, and it's up to Scotland to beat France to make sure that Welsh win. So I've got one leg in Scotland today. Which is where I am wearing this fabulous tartan, mask and the other leg in Wales, and that means I'm doing the metaphorical splits somewhere over Becky's house. <laughs> I'm not wearing a metaphorical kilt either.
4: <laughs> I can I wish... never unsee that image. I can never unsee
2: that.
0: I wish listeners could
4: see Becky's face. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Anyway, moving swiftly along, just like the performance of the Welsh rugby team against France in the last 10 minutes, the market has crashed and burnt this week. (laughs) I warned of this last week when it had topped out and I was right. There's masses of milk around in the UK and it's picking up in the EU with Germany back at 2019 levels. So the peak and the flush is on everyone's minds and that plus the decline in the GDT and Easter buying being over has taken the panic out of the market and it means the 10-week run of rising Dutch and German butter prices has sadly come to an end but thanks to French butter increasing by a massive inexplicable 400 euros it means the average EU price has posted 11 consecutive gains. I wonder whether you'd like to lead a three cheers for the French for as well.
0: <laughs> well, no, so. no, <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but while the average price has still gone up, those are still behind the real market, and there's no doubt milk volumes are weighing on that sentiment. Butter has dropped for the second week running to 3,800 euros, and that's down 350 euros in three weeks. Cream is also down to match. On powders, whole milk powders continue to drift up despite the GDT dip. And uh, skim milk powder is also holding firm at 2,500 euros. And whey has just officially crossed the 1,000 euro price and it rarely does that. Young cheeses are also easing back from their highs and are holding on to their 3,000 euro. Uh, precipice by their fingertips. Mott hasn't eased yet, but will. Uh, and we need lockdown to ease in Europe to give this sector a boost. On the futures, it's a case of cover your eyes and ears. It's not so bad down under. New Zealand whole milk futures are down 160 euros, skim down 100 euros. In the EU, though, it's carnage. Butter has dropped 300 euros in a single week, the biggest drop I can remember. But this also follows the biggest increase I can remember, too. Uh, Quarter two contracts have dipped below 4000 euros again, but after the flush, they creep back up. And that shows how significant it is in traders' minds. Uh, Skim has also dipped, but not significantly, and the Ampi futures still tops 30p after transport before a processor margin. Cream in the UK, alas, has dipped back below my 150 threshold. Uh, It's still in the high 150s for export. And there's a massive range for spot milk, again due to the flush. Those desperate to find a home for it will only get 22, 23p for it. And it's likely to drop below 20 next week, say some traders. And the odd processor who needs an extra tanker might have to pay 27, 28. So a big range there. So that's me done. Now on to Mr. Warning. And I'll leave by wishing Scotland and therefore Wales. beaucoup de luck, Paula Rugby au revoir.
0: <laughs> Deal, Chris. Um, Andy, welcome to the show. Let's talk about the last 12 months first of all, before we talk about carbon. How have things been for NMR during COVID and what's on the horizon for the business?
3: Um, well, thank, thank, you for, thank you for having me on and thank you for, for the welcome, Chris. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, the last 12 months, um, well, it's been hard work. Um, we've got over 600 people, um, and uh, we would normally drive about two million miles. So, lots of people and lots of miles in the middle of a global pandemic is is kind of hard work. But uh, but I mean we've coped really well. I mean the laboratories work in a biosecure way anyway. And so we split up the shift patterns and moved to bubble working. We've been very versatile in how we've approached farmers in terms of milk recording. Um, Some of them moved to DIY. Some of them were happy with the way that we were running biosecure recording services. It's been hard work, but, you know, thank you to everybody who works at NMR. We've we've got through it. Mm, Okay. Um, Can you tell us about your new genomics
0: business as well? Uh, One of the key messages in Kite's dairy 2030 report. Related to the need for an emphasis on genetics, so it'd be good to hear about that.
3: Um, yeah, so so genomics. Uh, yeah, I'd love to talk about genomics. Um, the um, well, the, the most exciting thing is we have um, built a genomics laboratory, and during COVID, um, we have managed to um, to continue to think about development going forward. So we have bought a, a Lumina um, sequencing machine. Um, the, uh, we talk about PCR, so the start of the PCR testing um, is to extract DNA and RNA. Um, so that's the start of a of a genomics process anyway. So we believe we can run genomic sequencing very efficiently, um, and um, so we've we've um, installed a, a Lumina gene sequencing um, capability at the Four Ashes laboratory. And that's going to be up and we've been running test samples um, up until now but as of um about uh, 10 days time we'll be running um, you know using the equipment in anger um, getting very good call rates from it so we're very comfortable with the uh with the equipment and so we're, we're going to start running um, um genomics um sequencing here in the uk specifically targeted at the livestock industry and we'll continue to work with Zoetis and, and the Clarified pro- clarified product. Um, we've been very successful with them. Um, so we act as a distributor for Clarified in the, in the UK. So, so the, you know, we're going to differentiate the, the Clarified product with our own product. And uh, we will rebrand it as um, Gene Ease um, because we believe that genomics, very much like kite, Is going to be a a tool very much for the commercial farmer, not necessarily a sort of high-end pedigree um, tool. So so we we see it moving into. uh, uh, We want to make it very easy for the farmer, hence GeneEase. And obviously, if you're an NMR recorded herd and we have the we have the cows ID on the database, we can use that pedigree data, and then we can we can provide a very easy to access genomic service for the UK. So so Genese will be available very soon, Um, and the most most exciting thing um, is a product called GenoCells, which um, we're going to be launching in September, Um, been working with with, uh, French and German milk recording organisations, and that will allow us to, um, as, as long as you can genotype all the milk in cows, we will be able to. Provide individual cell counts from a single bulk milk sample, which um, which is gives a, a, a great access to individual cell counting for non-recording farms, which then drives the whole selective dry cow therapy um, um, agenda, because reducing antibiotics is obviously a key thing yeah. going forward in the dairy sector.
1: Interesting times. Um, we're going to turn towards the the main theme of today's show uh carbon uh, one of the reasons Becky asked you on the show today Andy is that the NMR is currently sponsoring kite to do an independent assessment of the various carbon measurement tools out there for the ruminant sector um why is this needed and what needs to be assessed
3: uh, why, why are we getting involved if you, if you go if you go back a, a little bit now it's talking to a leading farmer, um, who's in a who's in a, a, a provenance scheme um, from the processor? Also in a provenance scheme from a retailer. Um, both the retailer and the and the processor send in a consultant to to do a carbon tool um, capture lots of data um, use two different tools and guess what happens? You get two different carbon footprints. So, um, so we we think that um, with the retail um, scope three initiatives coming through, the farmer is going to be increasingly um, responsible for their own carbon footprinting. Up until now, we think that the, the you know carbon footprinting has kind of been done to the farmer. It's been a third party that's 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 been uh, um, kind of sent into the farmer to 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 do carbon footprinting. Whereas we think in the future it's going to become the responsibility of the farmer to produce their own carbon footprint, which which you know all businesses are going to be responsible for for producing their own carbon footprint. So we think the transition into the a farmer nominated carbon footprinting means that that's a very legitimate place for NMR to 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 to, uh, to move into.
1: Rach, let's bring you in here and talk about some of the challenges that um, there are currently uh, when it comes to calculating carbon um, in a meaningful way. Can you just take us through some of those?
4: Yeah, I think there's, there's probably three key challenges that I see here. And probably the first one is, as Andy's just alluded to, is the tools themselves. Um, so there, there's various tools available. Um, from sort of self-entry to sort of, as Andy's discussed, this more sort of data collection service-based tool sort of mechanism. Um, So I think in many ways that that is a challenge because each tool is not necessarily calculating carbon in the same way or actually using the same metrics. Um, So a good example would be that some tools um, actually input sort of uh, land use change into um, a soil calculation, um, whereas others don't. So what that means fundamentally is that you could potentially be comparing apples with pears when you're comparing farm to farm in relation to which tool they're using. Um, So I think that first challenge really in terms of tools, it's about understanding the limitations of certain tools and understanding how that then affects the the sort of the the data that you're going to be getting out at the end of of that process. Um, I think one of the the second challenge is uh, it's data and I think the problem with the ruminant sector as a whole is we've got varying degrees and levels of data. Um so dairy, a, a bit more data driven. We've got we've got quite a good sort of data set generally speaking on most farms. Beef, obviously, it's a much more fractured supply chain. Um, and actually it's really important for these um to calculate carbon that you've got really good quality data because otherwise it's sort of it's rubbish in, rubbish out. And I think that is a real challenge that we do need to overcome. Across all the sort of ruminants. Um, Third, I think my top challenge would be attitude. Um, And and, and I I don't wanna sound too critical, but I think it's very easy to be critical of the current tools. But I sort of think we do need to start somewhere. And I think there can be quite often there's a bit of an attitude amongst farmers that, well, you know, the the tools are a load of rubbish. Well, I'm not gonna bother starting. Um, but actually I I think we've got to find a place to start. Um, because as we all know, it's, it's, um, things are catching up quite quick in terms of climate change.
0: Mm -hmm. Are are we looking for a measurement tool that can calculate carbon on a product level or on a farm level or, or do we need to do both? And which is more useful?
4: Yeah, I think, I think it's gotta be both. Um, I really do. And I think especially with ruminants, where we quite often see, that um, you know, we have much more sort of mixed farming sort of scenario. And actually, if you just focus too much on the product, you, you forget you actually miss quite a lot. Um, I think obviously the product level is the main driver for a lot of processors and retailers because they want to know what that carbon impact per litre of milk, per carbon of beef for example, is if you think about it in terms of the whole farm, it gives us a much bigger picture. And actually that's where it has the potential for us to see about our overall carbon impact and actually whether we've got a deficit and therefore potential to create carbon credits um, in the future. So I think we, we do need both.
3: I think one of the key things here is that, is that the, um, the correlation between farming efficiency and carbon is is huge. Um, and so it, when we when NMR looks at this and you and you and, and you sort of sometimes sometimes people would look at it look at it quizzically and sort of say is that is that a legitimate place for NMR to go? But but if you if you look if you think of if you think of the letter C carbon the, co- the chemical symbol for uh, for carbon and you put two lines through the C um it looks remarkably like a pound sign and the and the the link between the commercial efficiency of a of a farm and then and then its carbon footprint is and they're not directly correlated it's not cause and effect but but the but if if you if you put a list of these are the most efficient and the most productive farms on a on a on a piece of paper they will almost certainly be the ones with the lowest carbon footprint as well so it's it's a very sort of um a legitimate place for um for um farmers to be looking at in terms of their their own kpis simply because it drives sustainability commercially as well as well as well as environmentally
1: mm-hmm. right you,
0: you, you talked about the uh importance of good data um so how do we make sure that we generate data that is useful for the farmer as well as for processors and retailers
4: yeah, I think that's a, a good question. Um, and I suppose we've got the sort of the bigger backdrop here of sort of scope three reporting and also net zero commitments. I mean, a day doesn't go by at the moment without somebody making a net zero commitment. So um, it will become increasingly important that the data generated out of the calculators does work for processors and retailers. However, um, the drive of decarbonisation, actually, first, the first protocol is to reduce our emissions. So it's vital also that that data works for farmers so they can identify areas where they can make those reductions on farm. And actually, it links in really quite nicely with what Andy just said. And, and, and he's he's spot on here in that there's this massive correlation between profitability and sort of and carbon efficiency. And actually, it, they do go hand in hand. So it can be a bit of a double win. So, yeah, it's really important that that data works for everyone
1: yeah Andy do you want to follow up on that in that I mean you've already yeah. touched on uh, nmr's interest in in measurement generally um but can you perhaps yeah to touch on what Rachel said, but also um just explain some specifics here if you can of, of how nmr can help farmers specifically
3: sure um in, in it's, it's a, at a very high level, people talk within carbon tools they talk about the four fs so so they you know they talk about um feed and um, fuel. Uh, the the fertility and fertilizer is is the four Fs which which are which drive the in terms of data collection those those are the four things that you need to get a very good handle on well so so fertility where you're looking at the if you like the efficiency of the herd so so again if just very very simple um, in dairy and a very simple KPI like um, you know the the age at first calving is a very good indicator of the efficiency of the herd so. So those those herd level indicators we have within the milk recording business anyway. and so so one of the the four f's is coming for free when we look at when we look at data collection for NMR. Um, and in a lot of cases through our um, contracts with processors, we would have the liters as well. So we would have the so if, if you're looking at here are the four f's, these are the three these are the these are the inputs to the calculator. We're going to divide those by the number of liters that the, the, the farm has produced. So, um, so, so we've got we've got two of the of the of the inputs for data anyway, which leaves um, fertilizer and fuel and feed. Now we've got a product called Farm Assist, um, which we collect um, antibiotic data or, or medicine data from vet practices. So we've got we've got a process by which we um, um, use the effectively the delivery information, the invoice information from from farm practices to to aggregate what um, medicines are being used on the on the farm. Now we think we can use that type of technology, which uses a combination of just hard work and fuzzy logic, and to work with the feed suppliers, the the fuel suppliers. And, and the fertiliser suppliers to actually pr- almost pre-populate um, the, the data entry for, for the farm. So, so the idea would be you've got to reduce the burden of data entry, but also provide a, a degree of authenticity to it because, mm. because it's an automatic, um, effectively upload in terms of either APIs or other ways of getting the data in. So we, we think it's, we think it's all about trying to simplify it um, and and uh, and automate it as much as that much as we can.
0: Mm. Rach, um, with all these different options for measuring carbon footprint, and speaking as a farmer, and you know, it, it it is confusing. What what is your advice, and and what should farmers do next?
4: Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that this whole thing is really complex, um, and it and it's still developing. You know, it's developing mm. all the time. It's, it's in many ways, it's rapidly developing. And I suppose in the sort of push for a sort of a post-COVID green recovery, it's most accelerated on the agenda in the last sort of six months or so. And I think with with COP26 ahead this year, it's it's going to accelerate further. So I um, I appreciate it. it's it's sort of largely overwhelming in many ways. But I think we need to remember that first of all, we are amidst a, a climate crisis, and actually everyone needs to take action. Hmm. So I think as a so despite all sort of pressures from consumers and processes. So I think the first port of call, though, would be speak you know speaking to your milk buyer, or if you're in another and sector, your sort of processor, if you've got a relationship with them, and and seeing it first of all if they have any plans or preferred tools, um, discussing with them. Um, but you know, if not, it's about scoping out which tools most appropriate for your business. And I think as Andy's just said, it, it's about working smarter, not harder. It's about utilising those um, those data sets that are already available that are sort of are verified, that are authentic that actually generate genuine, useful, correct, accurate data. Um, And I think sort of applying them to sort of whichever tool you think suits your business best.
0: Okay. Well, that's all we have time for today. That was a fascinating episode. Um, But a very big thank you to our guests, Andy Warne, Rachel, Maidley-Davis, and Chris Walkland.
1: Thank you very much for listening. Um, next week we will be coming out on Thursday for our episode then, not Friday due to the Easter Bank holiday. Um, and it'll actually be April the first. So watch this space for Chris. Um, but for now, um, it's goodbye from all
0: of us here.